Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala Rasulihil Kareem amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. And we are doing Surah 108 through Tafsir ibn Kathir. All right, it's all yours. Okay, so Surah 108, uh, which is Al-Kawthar, I hope I pronounced that right, um, it means abundance, just the straight up translation of the title. And so um, the tafsir for the surah started out by saying that the Prophet uh, received the surah while he was sort of dozing off in a masjid and he was with his companions and he woke up all of a sudden and he was smiling. So they were like, what's up? Like, what did you find? And he was like, the surah was revealed to me. And this is a fairly short surah, but there's more to it than just what's written in it. Um, so firstly, Al-Kawthar is meant to represent the promise that awaits believers in Jannah, like very broadly refers to just all the goodness that's going to be present for us. However, more specifically, um, it focuses on a river in Jannah that uh, smells of musk and its banks have tents made of pearls. So it's like domes of hollow pearls. And the river itself is whiter than milk and sweeter than honey. And um, it has these birds on its banks too. And one of the Hadith says that if the people of the Ummah, when they get to Jannah were to eat them, their beauty would be enhanced because of how beautiful these birds are. Um, and so the Surah itself is sort of there or the reference to the river in the surah is there to inspire believers of the beauty that awaits them in Jannah. Um, and so the surah specifically asks the Ummah to sacrifice to God alongside praying and believing um, because that's just the extra thing since God is giving us so much, we are required to do that as well. And the last line of the surah specifically talks about the enemies of the prophet. It says um, for those who hate him, they will be cut off. And that cut off part is significant because it was revealed regarding not just one man, um, but big significant group of people because there were a lot of enemies of the prophet but but most noticeably it was about um al-ash bin wali and um some of the leaders of the disbelievers in the Quraysh tribe um because they would often mention that the prophet would be cut off if anyone were to bring him up in conversation and this was specifically because i believe it was tradition then but i don't want to assume but the tafsir was talking about how Back then, when the sons or the male children of a family died, they would say that the father, like the family, would be cut off because remembrance of them would then be limited since, like, you don't really have anyone to continue the, the line, I guess. But um, in this case, they would say it as more of an insult than just the prophet's son's dying. They would say it at every chance possible. And um, as a result, that line, which talks about the enemies of the prophet being cut off as in specific reference to all of these people who would sort of um, nag at him at that mention, um, because it says that they will not be receiving this reward of this beautiful river or the promise of Jannah or the goodness that lies there. And that is the end of that tafsir. Okay, good. So the word kawthar, um, and I think you touched on it and talked about abundance. Uh, kawthar comes from the same word that like kathir comes from, which basically means abundance. And so, yeah, there's there's multiple meanings for kawthar. One is this pond 
you know, or this river that the prophet peace be upon him is going to be given. And then another is, is just the fact of being given abundance. So we have given you this. This is already something given to the prophet peace be upon him. When it'll manifest in his life is, is a different issue. And a point to even think about is your risk, your sustenance has already been given to you. When you discover it, when it manifests in your life, you know, it will be over the course of your lifetime and such. But it's already it's already been set for you. And it's a matter of you finding where where is it. And sometimes the only way to find it is just to live through life. But sometimes it's like the story of Hajar when Ibrahim alayhi salam, he his wife Hajar, he's leaving her in this barren valley. And then she says, you know, did you leave us here with no food or water? He doesn't respond. She asks again. He doesn't respond. Then she said, did Allah tell you to leave us here? And he says, yeah. And she says, well, then Allah is going to take care of us. So she had the conviction that the rizq, her sustenance, is there somewhere. But then she had to go find it. So she runs to the top of one hill, sees nothing, runs to the top of another hill, looks in the distance for any sign of food, sees nothing, keeps coming back to check on her son. And then what happens is her son is kicking and screaming. And then that unleashes the well of Zamzam. And if she just sat there, then she probably wouldn't have discovered or potentially wouldn't have discovered the, the, the water. Right. Uh, but because it literally appears where she was sitting. And, and, but she had to go and look for it. And so our risk is there. We have to go put in the effort of, of finding it, but it will be delivered to us. And then there's also the, the, for lack of a better word, the sustenance on the other side, which is far more majestic than anything in this world. And so he's, he's been informed he's going to be given all this. And like you said, it's, uh, it's sort of like a double pushback against those people who basically spoke of him as being cut off. You know, not only is he not going to be cut off, they're going to be cut off, and he's going to be given all of this abundance, all of this wonderful stuff. So, and so in a way, it's uh, sometimes you'll see passages in the Quran that are reinforcing the prophet himself, peace be upon him. Mm -hmm. and, and, and sometimes it's happened by the prophet, by Allah Ta'ala telling the prophet, okay, this is in store for you. Or, you know, you're not, you're not madman. You're not possessed. What you've been given is a noble message. And so that's taking place. And sometimes it's happening by way of of not, what's the word, not insulting, but criticizing his opponents and yeah. here and saying, yeah, they're going to be the ones who are cut off. But yeah, that was good. Uh, any questions about any of this? Um, I did have a really quick question about the story of Ismail al-Islam. It's yeah. because I had to read that um, in the Old Testament for yeah. my honors class. Yeah. So um, according to our narrative, it wasn't um, Ibrahim Salam's like wife that caused the expulsion of the um, of Ismail Islam and his mother. It was Allah. So, so for stories that are that old, we usually have multiple multiples variants, okay. and and so we have multiple variants for that one. One is not unlike the Christian narrative or the Jewish narrative that that uh, Sarah you know, it was barren. She could not give a child, a, uh, mm -hmm. a child. And so, uh, so she offers her servant, Hajar, and, mm -hmm. and Ibrahim al-Islam has a child with Hajar Ismail. 
and then Sarah doesn't like the fact that she has a son, and so um, she she doesn't want to hodge her around anymore. Uh, right. Uh, and the other story is that Alatala is telling him to take them, and okay. I I find that one more plausible only because he took them so far away, and we're we're talking like five hundred miles away. Yeah. And so he could have just taken them to another town. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If if the issue was that Sarah didn't want her around, mm-hmm. you know, so it's possible there's truth in both stories, but I definitely think the story that Alatala is saying can go here. Um, that there's probably some truth in that story. Okay, and then there was also a really quick um, note in the Old Testament that was saying that we Muslims believe that um, Muhammad Islam's line is like a direct descendant of. Ismail Islam's is that? That's correct. True? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to verify that. Yeah. So if you think of the two primary sons, Ismail and Ishaq, who Sarah later gives birth to. Yeah. Um, so generally it's looked at as though Jews and Christians are descendants, you know, theological descendants through Ishaq. And we are okay. descendants to Ismail. And meaning that Moses and Jesus, peace be upon them, are descendants through Isaac and Muhammad, peace be upon them all, is a descendant through Ismail. Okay. So then is that why um, oftentimes in the Old Testament, instead of referring to God as the God of Adam, they refer to it as the God of um, Abraham just because of that sort of like link? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, That, uh, I don't know if it's because of that link. Often, uh, uh, for us at least, uh, Abraham, peace be upon him, is sort of looked as the person who really started Islam as Islam. Okay. And so that's why. Yeah. And then a very like final question. Does it make a difference if a Muslim were to name a child um Abraham versus Ibrahim? Like that type of a thing. Not really. I mean, no, it doesn't. Because like think of your name or think of my name. Yeah. Uh, uh, my name is the Urdu version. So it's not the Arabic version. Okay. And, and so it's Omar as opposed to Omar. Okay. We may not think of as much of a difference because it's still spelled the same way, you know. And Muzaffar as opposed to Muzaffar, right? So mine is the Urdu name. And, okay. and so that's what ethnically it is. If it was, <clears throat> so if I was in, uh, raised in, uh, or if I was born and raised to, you know, an indigenous American family, then my name would probably be the indigenousized version of the name. Okay. I just wanted to ask about that. Just because the narratives differ, so I didn't know if like the difference of narratives translated to any significance with the different of names. Yeah. Just like, you know, like a, that, uh, you know, the, the fighter that everyone loves, loves Habib. Yeah. yeah. What's Habib actually? It's Habib. Okay. And his yeah. last name, Nur Magomedov, is Nur Muhammad. Okay. I didn't even uh, think about like those tiny but, differences. Yeah, so his name is Habib Nur Muhammad. Uh, but in his language, it's Habib Nur Magomedov, which I'm probably totally mispronouncing. So yeah, okay. that's, you, you make Islam as indigenous as possible. All right, and there's no problem with that. Ooh, any those, other questions? No, those are all the questions I had. Okay.